Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Jay Harwood. So another edition of Amazing Mets Conversations with my old friend, David Johnson. David, you realize we, we've known each other now for 42 years. <laughs> the first time that we met, you probably don't remember, it was during the strike here in 1981. I was going down to Jackson, Mississippi. You managed the Jackson Mets. You took us to, to a, a steakhouse in Jackson. There were 14 to 15 people there. I was going to be the big man, put on my Mets credit card. Unfortunately, I lost my wallet, and you played. I think you said some typical New Yorker, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> it, we got better after that, though, Davey. We had to share a lot of good meals together. Uh, yeah, they, Liam Mark, 40 years ago this October, we hired you. Um, during, I think it was during the middle of the Philly-Baltimore series. And I remember your, your opening remarks at the press conference where we, when Frank announced you in front of Cash, and you said, why did it take me so long to hire me, Frank? Remember that, Davey? Yeah, I remember Alistair said I like to work with smart people. You had just come off, you know, winning the championship at Norfolk, uh, tied water to win a championship at Jackson, uh, you know, to, to do that. Did you think that the success would come that quickly? I mean, the Mets really were a, a bad team for a number of years. I, I mean, really, 73 was the last time they were in the playoff. I mean, you managed a lot of these guys in the minors. Did you think your first year in A4, with 90 games. Did you think it would happen that quickly? Yes, I did. You know, I mean, I had some great managers. I mean, Earl Weaver was a great manager. I learned a lot from Earl. You know, I was a middle intern, and I always liked to know, you know, why he was making a pitching change and why he hit somebody else, you know. And I was just a Georgian because I have a BSG in mathematics. So um, it was it was easy for me. And the idea of, of creating a good team, you know, 84 was a, uh, a typical uh, year that would happen when you manage your team properly. Well, we were outscored by 18 runs on the whole year. And that year we were 18 games over 500. But you did the math on that. And you said, well, how did that happen? Well, when we had a lead or had a chance to win, I had a group called A, which was my done a group of relievers. And when we were behind, and it's like we weren't going to, I didn't want to overuse the, my good ones. Well, I would use the guys that weren't as tough to hit. And so, and then when the season was over, I said, we need to do balance the other side of the bullpen because all pitchers need, basically, you know, in spring training, you, the pitcher throws one day, rest. Throws another the next day. Let's say it's on every other day before they even throw batting practice. And uh, starters, you know, they take, they pitch a game maybe five or six innings and then and, uh, they have a day off and it's on the side and they usually have a five man rotation, two more days and pitch. And so I always wanted to keep them on their regular rest program. And to do that, 
I mean, you had the tech guys, you know, that uh, had their rest. And that's what we did. And then when I got a better both sides of the bullpen, then the next year, well, I think we won 98. Then finally in 86, we won 108. Well, you were the, really the forerunner for Adam Linux, right? I remember being in your office at the computer, plotting things out. I mean, I don't remember a manager doing that at that point. I mean, what you say? Did you were the forerunner to all the stuff that's going on today? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was doing that in Shreveport. I was doing that in Rochester or wherever, or Norfolk. You keep track of who's successful against certain people and how to position the outfielders and infielders. And that's, you know, I don't have that great of memory, but I, my computer did. Fact is, as I got higher up, I hired a little programmer to do my input and all that stuff with my direction. And then, of course, when I got to the big leagues, I, I had the same, I had some young genius mind and I plug in stuff in my little, uh, you translate it into my, I call it my picture catcher's book transitioning and all that stuff. I was doing that. David, you know, one of the ones you have to be what made it so successful is you're, you're never always were willing to take a chance, to take a risk. I go a couple of games that I never remember go back. We're playing the Pirates, I forget which year it was, and, and you had Rusty in the outfield, and you had him flip with Clint Hurdle. That's all funny. No. Remember that, you know, there was Rusty and couldn't run in those days. Right. And then in the Cincinnati game, the famous Cincinnati game, we had the fight with Eric Davis slid into Ray and Ray clocked him. And a lot of guys let him wind up with Carter at third base and, you know, Jesse and, and uh, Roger, uh, Jesse Rascal, Roger McDowell, alternating batters. So you were always willing to, you know, to take a risk and, you know, go with your gut, right? That was a percentage risk because the reason I kept moving Rusty to left field, to right field, is... I'd have him in left field when the chances were about 75 to 80 percent, they'd hit it to right field. And then when it came up, they, they hit it to, right, uh, to, to left field, I moved it to right. And it didn't work out too good because they hit one to Rusty and caught it. <laughs> yeah. I did. I think Roger made the last out. He caught a ball in the outfield. I mean, the, Roger and Jesse were two pretty good, uh, you know, uh, uh, athletes. So they, they, they did that. Hey, let me take him to, to the spring of 86. We win 98 games the year before. You know, I mean, if there, if there had been a wild card, we would have been, it'd be a practically every year we've been in the playoffs. So I remember your speech like it was yesterday. You said, not only are we going to win, we're going to dominate the league. And I remember even some of your old players, they kind of looked at each other. Is he kidding me? I mean, why is he doing that for? You weren't afraid to put pressure on the guys, right, Dave? Because I guess you knew what kind of team you had. This wasn't really me putting pressure on the players. This was me knowing that I had solid players in every position, and every position player and every pitcher made exactly their role. The one thing about chemistry, you know, what people don't understand, it's not chemistry from winning. It's chemistry when you have 25 guys in a room and they all know they have their roles. And if it was a... You know, or utility infielder, his role was knowing he was going to bench it, maybe to play every, you know, once a week or something like that against certain pitchers. And they knew if they did well, I would expand their role. And when everybody on the team knows their role, coming out of spring training, exactly their role and, and knows that, that 
they do well, I'll expand their roles, that everybody's happy. That's called chemistry. Is it Danny Heap, maybe the perfect example of what you're talking about? He had like four or five pinch hits when he played, we always did well. No doubt about it. That was his role, and he knew it, and he was ready for it. You know, I didn't have to look around when I when his role was coming up because he already had his gloves on at bat. He was ready to do it mentally. The object in, in the big leagues, if you're mentally prepared to do your role, that's as important as being physically prepared. So that year, the welcome home dinner, uh, we start off two and three. Two and we do it three games in a row. You go up you go up before the crowd that night, you know, a thousand people whatever in a hotel. And you said, Calm down, we're not gonna lose many more games the rest of the year. So we lost the rest of the year. we fifty one regular season games the rest of the year and a couple more in the playoffs. So I think your prediction turned out pretty well. Yeah, I think so. For me, it stands out that year in eighty six was it was a sweeping in St. Louis, Desert Davy we went in there and you know, Cardinals had been on Nemesis for so many years. We swept them in four games. That kind of set the tone of the whole year. Well, let me tell you something. You know, I had a, I built a fishing camp in Ocala, Florida, on Orange Lake. I had a house there. And I'd bite, you know, I'd bite Bill Robinson. He liked to fish. And you know, Mel Stavemeyer. And also, he bited my buddy Whitey Herzog. Because I always watched what Whitey did. In fact, is. I had to, I, I uh, convinced Frank Cashing to make two trades. I convinced him to, number one, Howard Johnson was a good left-handed batter, but he couldn't hit too much right-handed. So I picked up Ray Knight to compliment him. And same way with Bachman at second. And Harrisov had guys in the bullpen. He had a bunch of left-handers he'd bring in for Bachman and Hojo. Well, when you do that in a good situation, I had Knight. Tuffle. And so I knew I had the matchup that I wanted in a certain situation, not his matchups. Right. And it worked out. And I, you know, I never forget because Whitey, I, I would talk into the night with Whitey, learning how he thought. And I remember one night we talked so long, and then I went to bed in the house, and Whitey was outside sleeping on the ground. <laughs> yeah. He had the girl wake him up and said, man, I, let's go fishing. I, I remember he used to come into our locker room. He used to steal Howard's bats occasionally. For, oh, yeah. He thought Howard had a plug. Yeah. 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 They'll post, take bats from him. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they'd take him and put him in, uh, I'm probably should take him and put him in the umpire's room. Once send the bat boy down there, yeah. If you, in, in 86, you know, everybody talks about game six is a great game, but for me, the game in Houston was the most nerve-wracking for me. I remember going down to the locker room, sitting there from the 8th inning to the 16th. You know, I, I didn't really move, you know. And I think remember that game, you used Ojeda, Aguilera, McDowell, and Orozco. I think four pitchers covered 16 innings. That wouldn't happen today, would it, Davey? No, but those guys were used to those kind of roles. McDowell was my mainstay because McDowell, I mean, he had an unhittable sinker, and he could go out there and throw sinkers and get ground balls off that. I had a guy named Doug Sisk who would either get a ground ball or walk. And I never get, I never panicked when he walked a couple guys because I knew he was going to still get a ground ball, and he would. So it was, again, using guys uh, in their roles that they could be successful. David, what are your bench moves? 
was probably wasn't on the field was you know with the team everybody was a little worn out from houston you know uh, we you know that was the greatest series because you have to understand they matched up perfect with us i mean they had the same strengths in all the areas that we did and so that was that was my i remember talking about stottlemyre one inning i think we went up one run and i told him about when there was two outs i said well it doesn't gain very long. Yes. And at that time, some guy came up and hit a home run. And I remember. Speaking of Mel, you know what the most famous picture is? I mean, you must have seen it way at times. Two outs, bottom of the tenth inning, losing by two runs. The cameras shown on you and, and Mel sitting together in the dugout by themselves. You know what phone I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. I mean, what do you remember what you were thinking? I mean, I know we never gave, I mean, but that's Good kid. I mean, how many two strike counts do we have? You know, kid got a hit, Mitch got a hit, Ray got a hit, and Mookie's at bat. But for a while there, it it, it was kind of dark. No, we had Shiraldi in the minor leagues. And I knew Shiraldi. He was a tough pitcher. He had some tendencies, and so did Mike Stanley. You're always confident that the guy's going to come to you. I was always talking. Guys were probably getting ready to go home. The other team was standing on the top step thinking they won. We we congratulated the Red Sox on the scoreboard. See, right, exactly. C- congratulations, the Red Sox. Uh, the team in 86 team, this PR guy then, kept me hopping. I didn't know what to expect when I got to the ballpark, this, that, that, and the other thing. How was it managing all these personalities, Keith and Darling and Straw and Doc and Wally and Lenny? I mean, with just so many different personalities you had to contend with. Well, the, the the main thing again, when I first came there, uh, they, the cash said, "Boy, we got clicks." You know, uh, Carter's got clicks with guys around him. Hernandez got clicks with guys around more, and everybody's in their own little group. And but I I felt, you know, I said to them, I said, "You guys all have different personalities and whatever," and I said, "You know." Uh, Hernandez was a captain, and I said, okay, I'm going to hire Carter as a co-captain. And that brought guys more together, too. So now that they were, you know, they were both great leaders, Carter leading the pitchers, Hernandez leading the infielders and outfielders on where to play. It was just, you know, I used the talent and and told them, don't keep keep doing what you're doing, guys, you know, the main thing about a clubhouse is you want it to be happy. You want guys to want to come to the clubhouse, come in early. And if you have a happy clubhouse, they come in early and they communicate. And that's what we did. And I thought it was uh, what you want to have with every ball club, no matter how talented or whatever. Dude, Derek, you got to mention Doc before we go. In 84, um, you know, in, in Norfolk, and he had struck out 300 in. Lynchburg in 83, you had a fight like heck to bring you on the team. A lot of the people in the front office thought he needed more seasoning, and you had taken the thing that, you know, that, hey, he did all he could do, uh, he's ready to go. And I remember you told him, really, the last day it's big training, he was on the team. Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I had uh, Randy Myers. Randy Myers should be throwing the catcher, and Half of them would hit the screen behind the catcher, and the other half would be in the strike zone. Uh, well, and I had another guy that was well thought of the same way. 
this little 17-year-old pitcher came along, and he set the catcher on low and away, and about all of them would hit low and away on the strike zone. Then he'd move it to the other side, and he'd hit the over the other side. Well, I, I remember asking Doc, I said, hey, he was dealing this with his fastball. I said, Doc, how did he grip your fastball? Here's a 17-year-old sentence to me. Well, I grip it with the same, so when I want to put a little giddy-up on it, and, I, and then I grip it. I mean, when I want a little lateral movement, and when I move across change, when I want a little giddy up on it, I say that'll work. So he was very mentally prepared as well as physically. So he was ready to pitch in the big leagues. I mean, more so than any anybody else I could have put on my club. And I had to fight for it with passion. Hey, you didn't back away from anything, Davey. Hey, look, what, one of my other great memories is uh, after from the from the play ride. Uh, we tore the plate up, and uh, a specific airline wanted us to pay $10,000. And I remember, I remember that. you were up to check up. Well, no, here was the deal. We, I think it was we just came from Houston right, and beat a, a great club. Right. And it was a very fought series. And the wives were on the trip home, and uh, they drank beer. And I had a rule on the club, you know, make sure you put your beer cans in paper bags and whatever. I'm not going to keep you from drinking beer on, on the flight, but make sure you don't leave the messy plane. Well, on that one, the wives had their cans all over everywhere. And so I blamed it on the wives. <laughs> and, and I said, and I, think it, I don't think it was 10000 it was 5000 I said, guys, don't worry about it. I'll pay it. No. But that idea has a lot of guys, I know. It really, it really, truly did. Hey, Davey, I appreciate the time. You've been a good friend all these years, and we'll stay in touch, and, you know, if you ever need anything from me, a lot of good memories. I can't believe so it's 14, uh, 30, 70 years ago in 86, 116 wins. Uh, yeah, it hasn't been repeated much. Everybody said that series probably the, one of the best, if not the best, in World Series history. I'm glad you're going to answer what's it. You know where I... But I always appreciate Dave when we dealt with. I was still a young kid coming out of college. You trusted me. We talked. You trusted me with information. You took me. You asked my advice on things. Or I would go back and forth. And that, for somebody in my position, it was really invaluable. They kept yeah, you were the best. You were the best. I mean, well, I, I always it. trust you. You know, I mean, I, I trusted your opinions. Yeah, I trusted you. You had a tough job to be our director. Especially with some of our players, Dave. <laughs> you never knew what to expect, but it meant a lot to me. You used to pick my grade and ask my opinion. After all these years, I haven't forgotten. 